0: God, I pray that you would speak to us in a way that we understand, that everybody would hear what we need to hear. And so tune again, Lord, our ears and our hearts, our minds, to receive what you would have us receive, that we might live more like Jesus, and that the world would be transformed because you've placed us here. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, four weeks ago we embarked on this series called Unmask, and Pastor Tim led us off with a really interesting thought and complex kind of idea that this last several weeks, as we've gone through this COVID-19, that it has brought out sometimes the best in people. And you see that in the generosity of people, you see that in the way that we've loved one another, you see that in the way of people supporting and encouraging one another. But on the other side, it also would bring out the worst in some people, and as I was talking to one of our police officers that's here on Sunday, he said, boy, the one thing I have seen more than anything else, unfortunately, is a lot of domestic abuse. We see it with CASA. And, and the need for more CASA volunteers because children uh, are being neglected. And, and so you see this and our heart aches and, and moans for those kind of um, times where life would be transformed and changed. So what we wanna to do today is we wrap up this series on Unmasked, we hoped over the last several weeks we have given you some tools to help discover some of those things that you didn't like and how to go about changing those. If you missed any of those, you can go on our YouTube channel or on our Facebook page and get a hold of that. Another thing I want to encourage you to do, if you have not yet downloaded the Version Bible app. It is a wonderful free app designed by a church that has been given free to the world and literally millions and millions of people have downloaded this app. And so it looks like that little icon on the right, the Holy Bible, it's called the U Version. if you just search for that. And there we put all of our message outlines. And so, like what we print in the bulletin for those that are here, um, you can get this anytime, anywhere, and you can take notes in that and save them to look at later because that's one of the habits that I've done is looking back over my journal and my notes and being able to search through those, and that's in part of what I'm going to be doing this morning as I open up God's Word today and we take a look at what He has for us today. Because this is um, this passage that was read by John just a moment ago in Romans chapter 14, I think, is so pertinent. So if you're one of those who believes, oh, the Bible is just sort of an ancient document, it doesn't really have to say much for today, um, boy, tune in because I think you're going to see something completely different. Take a look for just a moment at verse 13. He says this, therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Now, this was true in the Roman culture during early Christianity at that time. There was uh, very distinct dividing lines. And so, there were Jews and there were Samaritans. There were Jews and there were Gentiles. And, and so, because the old Jews, followers of Jesus, like, no, we've followed the Old Testament law and circumcision and all those kind of things. And then they had these Gentile believers, and there was a division between them. So, Paul is speaking into this mess that's going on, this division within the church. And it was pandemic throughout. Men didn't talk to women. And so you look at the life of Jesus and whom He chose as His his disciples. I mean, He's got fishermen on one side. He's got a zealot, those that are the religious elite of the day and the warriors. He had one of those. He had a tax collector on His intimate circle of team that everyone hated. And so he brought all these diverse people. And who did Jesus spend time talking with? The woman at the well who was a Samaritan and a woman. Like, you can't talk to me. I'm a Samaritan and I'm a woman. I got two strikes against me. And why are you talking to me? And Jesus says, because there's not supposed to be any judgment on one another. And this this word judgment literally means distinguish. So stop distinguishing between people. When we do this today, this isn't a 2,000-year-old problem. This is a lifelong problem. That this is almost from the very moment we come out of the womb. One of the first words we learn is what? Mine. Because we've learned to distinguish between what's mine and what's yours. And it's mine, and so I don't want to share what's mine. And so we distinguish between what's mine and what's yours very early on. And we continue this game throughout our lives We do this in adulthood. Some of you, when somebody say, oh, you go to St. John, oh, so do I. Oh, yeah, I go to the traditional service at 8 o'clock. Oh, I go to the 11 o'clock service. And so we've distinguished between what kind of worshiper are you? I like this. I like this over here. We distinguish between all kinds of things. If we want to get a little more personal, and some of you are like, oh, please don't. We distinguish between socioeconomic status, don't we, all the time. We hang out around with people typically who are right around our same socioeconomic status. We do this ethnically as well. We put dividing lines between them. Where are you from? And we can sometimes distinguish that between where we're at. What kind of level of education do you have? We distinguish between that. Why do we do this? Well, that's a very interesting question. Why do we pass judgment? Why do we make distinctions between people? I hope this is one of those questions that you're going to wrestle with, not just in the next few moments, but I hope this is one of those questions that you wrestle with for the rest of your life. Because as I went back over my journal and began to look at some of the things that I wrote, um, I am wishing that there are a lot of sermons that I preach that could just be erased from history. Because so I'm like, I, I can't believe I used to think that way. But it led a lot of my change has led from this question, why do we do this? Why do we, why do we put up dividing walls? Why, why do we distinguish between people? And we can say it's natural, but we've got to go a little deeper than that. So I just want to give you a few, hoping you'll wrestle with these. Maybe some of these you can grab a hold of and go, oh, yeah, there's a piece of me that does this. And the first one is really just the superiority kind of idea. That This is the reason I do this, is so I can feel superior to other people. And I can feel a little bit better about myself if I can find some weakness in you. If I'm better at you at school, if I'm better at you when it comes to money, if I'm better at you when it comes to athletics, if I'm better than you at this, then I can feel a little bit better about myself. And maybe there's a part of that inside of you. Another reason we do this is maybe it's just narrow-mindedness. Maybe there's no room in our brain, in our mind, for a thought that is not ours. We have no room for another opinion. It's just like, no, I've got my ideas, and this is the way it should be, and this is the way it is, and it ought to be for everybody. and, And there's no room in my mind for anything like this. And early in my journals, uh, years and years ago, I wrote down this phrase, I don't want to be narrow-minded, because I realize I am very narrow-minded. I grew up in the same home uh, that I was born and raised in, and we still own uh, my mom's property there up in Michigan. I grew up in the same home in a very upper-middle-class kind of neighborhood. I realized that I grew up in the same church, a very German Lutheran church. And so I grew up in a very narrow kind of mindset, and I very intentionally said, I need to get out of this little bubble, and I need to experience life from some other places. And I remember there was a class that I took in college one time, and they enabled us to go and stay with a family in downtown Detroit and see some of the missions that are going around there among some of the poorest of the poor. And we're staying with one of these families in Detroit. And we're having this conversation about life living in the city and what that's like. And in the middle of the conversation, if you hear a gunshot, just hit the floor. And then they went on in the conversation. Like, whoa, 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 wait, wait a minute. You what? If you hear, like, there's gunshots usually on a fairly regular basis in our neighborhood. And so just hit the floor if you hear it. It's no big deal because um, they're not coming after us. It's just, you know, random shooting. I'm like... Wow, like that is a world that I'm just not familiar with. So I very early on said I want to open up my mind. And so I try to read things from everybody's different vantage point and perspective. I listen to podcasts from all different ones that I agree with and that I don't agree with. Because I just want to hear. I want to make sure my mind doesn't become more narrow. Maybe for you it's insecurity. But we live in a just insecure world. There are so many people who just are not comfortable in the way God created them to be. And so we spend a lot of time worrying about what other people think and what other people feel. Or maybe a better way of saying this is uh, we just can't live with the tension that there might not be um, absolutes. There was a word I learned early on. It was called adiaphora. And it means neither commanded nor forbidden. And it's often used when it comes to the Bible that like God didn't say absolutely yes or absolutely no. And so you're free to decide what you want to be. And for too many people, we're just too insecure to live in a world where there just might be some ambiguity in the midst of that. I don't know what you're wrestling with, but I do know the problem that we all have is it is so easy to spot judgment and insecurities and distinguishing marks when other people do it. It's easy to point out in somebody else It's so difficult to look in the mirror and to see it in ourselves. And this is what I'd love for us to do this morning is being able to take a look deep into our soul and go, wow, that is part of me, that there are some prejudice in me. There are some judgmental attitudes in me. There are some times that I am putting up distinguishing marks between me and you. There is some racism in me. I was listening uh, last week to a very challenging message by uh, Andy Stanley. He's a pastor in Atlanta. Some of you have probably heard about him. He's written a number of books. And his message was so challenging to me. I just couldn't get past it. This idea and, and a very quick summary of what he said, it's, it's not just all right to believe the right things. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, racial inequality, that, that's wrong. It's not just okay to just understand those things. And it's not just okay just to say those kind of things, that that racism is is wrong. You have to do something with that. And I began to ask and wrestle with God, God, what do you want me to do? Like, I need to do, so what do you want me to do? And I I kept hearing over and over the last couple weeks, um, just listen, John, just listen just listen, okay God, I want to listen who do I need to listen to and, and he was one of those um, podcasts and if anybody's interested in that, my personal Facebook page I, I put a link to that and our staff and our board of elders and our board of directors are going to get that email tomorrow that has that link um, to that um, because I just thought it was so challenging for me and I think we need um, to be challenged in our thinking and so what do we do in, in those moments where we see it Because what we do is we excuse that kind of behavior in us, that's why that makes it so difficult. Because if you're driving down the road and you're speeding down the road, you justify that in your mind, right? Well, I have to get here because X, Y, and Z, or they don't know what happened in my life. I was running late because I was talking on the phone and praying with somebody, so therefore I had to speed in order to get to my next meeting and I had to get there. And we have that kind of thing and that kind of thinking in our brain that excuses our own behavior. But when somebody else is speeding. Boy, it's so easy to project, isn't it? Oh, what an idiot. They're a reckless driver. Can't believe what they're doing. There's no excuse for driving like that. Well, that's funny because you can make an excuse for yourself driving like that. You can't make an excuse for somebody else driving like that. It's so easy to spot on other people. It's so hard to spot on us. But there is some good news. Take a look at uh, verse 13, the second half of it. Let us stop passing judgment. Let us stop distinguishing between one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. Now, there's some hope because you can change your mind. Not easy, but, but you can do it. So, what I want to do very quickly here is give you some things. As I've looked over my notes over the years and things that I've wrestled with and what God has been speaking into me, I just want to give you some questions that I think will really help you change your mind a little bit. And the first question is this What is love? require of me, not what does the law require of me, not what does my conscience require of me, not what does society require of me, what does love require of me? If I'm going to lead with love, if I'm going to be a follower of Jesus, what does love require for me to do in this situation? Because that really should be the distinguishing mark of every single follower of Jesus. That it's this distinguishing mark, love is the characteristic. That Jesus talked about this as he gathered his disciples the last week of his life. And John records this as he sits down with his disciples and he said, By, by this, by this one thing, everyone is going to know that you are my disciples if you love one another. This is what's going to set you apart from the rest of the world. So what does love require of you? This should be what the world notices about the church, not that we're judgmental, not that we have put up barriers between one another and we've distinguished between classes of people and races of people. The church should be known that, no, we love. That's what we lead with. We love one another because if we're following Jesus, we're doing what Jesus said to do. And so we need to not just believe that, oh yeah, yeah, we should love one another. We shouldn't just say it, oh yeah, no, I agree, yeah, let's love one another, that's a good idea, let's love all of us, let's love one another, let's go out and do love one another. Let's find somebody who's unlovable, let's find somebody who's different than us, and love one another that way. What does love require of me? Another question I'd like to ask, and this came right out of our text, is, is it mutually edifying? Not does it make me feel better. Oh, that was good to get off my chest. I just, I just needed to, to get that off. No, is it mutually edifying? Does it build up the hearer and you? And this is where Paul has some incredibly challenging words in Ephesians. Take a look at these. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Now, just if we stop... There, That would probably get rid of about 90% of the words that come out of our mouth Because most of our words are either sarcastic, hurtful, mean, not well thought out But only what is helpful in building others up According to their needs Not my needs Not my needs to speak the truth in love (laughs) Their needs That it may benefit those who listen Any of you who have raised kids, you know that there's a way to communicate truth. You can be right, but if you speak it harshly or if you speak it with anger, it doesn't transform the way you live. What transforms the way we live? Well, The way we love one another. When you speak truth in in love, that transforms. Uh, My mom was beautiful at at this. She would take great truths and and speak them in a way, in, in just such a loving way that I could grab a hold of them. Like I remember dealing with, you know, bullies in school, and she goes, oh, John, one of the things you just need to understand is, you know, people that are insecure need to put you down so they can feel better about themselves. And isn't it wonderful that you don't have to do that, John, (laughs) that you're secure enough in yourself that you don't have to put it. oh, well, I want to be like that (laughs) without my mom telling me, you better never bully somebody. Isn't that great that you don't have to do that, John, that you're secure enough in who God created you to be? Oh, yeah, that's a neat idea. There's a way to communicate truth in a way that's mutually edifying. And the last question is this, is is God asking me to share this? One of my uh, elementary school teachers had this phrase. She goes, put your mind in motion before you put your mouth in gear. Uh, We're very good at putting mouths in gear before anything really has a time to formulate a thought in our mind. But I would like to take a step beyond that and say, is God, God, do you want me to share this? Or is this something just between me and you? Because frankly, there's a lot of adiaphora. There's a lot of this is just my preference. It doesn't matter how you do it. It's just this is the way I like doing it. And that's that's okay. Well, that's between you and God. That's not between you and, and anybody else. And I remember the, one of the first times I really wrestled with this text practically. I was in ministry about three or four years, and it was growing. I was just a young pastor, and a young leader, and our ministry was just going gangbusters. And I, it was really beyond my leadership capacity, and I didn't really know what I was doing, and there was a lot of stress going on. And, and so I found this little conference to go to. It was called Stress in the Ministry. I'm like, that's me. I'm in ministry, and I'm stressed. Uh, sign me up for this thing. And so it was a hotel kind of place. You go there for three days, and, and they had counselors that were there, and you put your in small groups and there's some large group sessions and it's all like psychological, emotional dealing and talking through things and talk therapy. And for those of you who know me, that's exhausting for me. I'm not wired to dig into my emotions and bring all of those kind of things out. That was exact. so the first day we started like at 8 o'clock and at 5 o'clock they're finally getting ready to break and I'm like, I'm not going to make it three days. Like ministry was stressful. This is way more stressful. I need to get out of here. I'm done. And he's like, we're going to take a two hour break. We're going to come back at 7 and we'll go to about 10 o'clock tonight, and then we'll do the same thing tomorrow. I'm like, oh. And so I go down into the hotel lobby, and for those of you who've been to some of those hotels, you know, they've got the um, little happy hour thing going on. I'm like, if there's ever a time for a happy hour, it is today. Like, I need a happy hour at this moment. And they have beer and wine out there. I'm like, oh, I could use a really nice cold beer. right? I'm like, give me a beer. And I sat down in the lobby, because I was single at this time. A whole bunch of other people were married. I sit down at the table by myself with a beer in my hand. I'm like, oh, this tastes so good. Just trying to decompress from everything I experienced all day long, and then went out and got something to eat, came back for the session, and one of the um, guys in my group sort of leaned over, and he said, um, some of the guys saw you in the lobby. I'm like, and? <laughs> you know, I'm waiting for something else to have. Did I do something? He's like, well, they, they saw you drinking a beer. And? Like, I'm waiting for the, the part of the, and he's it's like, well, I don't know if you realize this, but this is hosted by uh, the Baptist Church. And most of us are Baptist, we don't drink. And so a lot of them were offended that you were there drinking. And I'm thinking, oh, I get it. Now, my first thought was, honestly, I don't care what you think. Like, you're going to sit me in a seminar all day long. I'm going to have to have at least one beer at the end of the night to look forward to at that. But I didn't because I came back and God brought this verse right to my mind. And I said, man, I don't want to live my freedom just because I can for them. This is between me and you, God. And so I'll just sneak my beer into my room so nobody sees me. I didn't do that. I'm just kidding. I'm just like, okay, I just will go without because I don't want to offend everybody. and I'm not going to have a conversation with everybody, and I'll just let that go. It's all right. I'll give up my freedom for the sake of other people. So I wrestled with this verse. Take a look at verse 22. This is what Paul writes, so whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and between God. There are some things that God is not asking you to share. God has asked you to do some things. He didn't ask you to share that with everybody. I ask you to do this, not everybody, you. So make sure, God, are you asking me to share this? As I mentioned, God just seemed to tell me, just spend a lot of time listening, which is hard for me to do because I talk for a living but just listen, for the last several weeks, that's really, I've been trying to be more intentional about just listening to other people, other people's thoughts, other people's opinions, just gathering as much information as I could. And one of the habits that I have when we put sermon series together, we typically do these months and months in advance. This one we put about a month in advance because we really wanted to speak into what was happening in people's lives today. Um, but we put the sermons together about three weeks in advance, so the outlines are done, so we can put them on the YouVersion Bible app, so we can get the projection, and so the musicians can pick songs that sort of match, and so there's a whole theme that all works together, and so we're very intentional about all of that. And so one of my habits that I do is then on Monday morning before I preach, um, I take about 20, 25 minutes every single day throughout the week to just go through my message, you know, at least once every single day. So that by the time Sunday rolls around, I don't need a manuscript, I don't need to really look at notes or anything like that, it's just it's fresh in my mind. And so I, I wrestle with God throughout the week of, of just how to say things and what stories to share and what not to share. and. And I was wrestling with God over, over this, because I was still convicted from hearing Andy's message and, and wrestling with this text, and what does this mean for me, and God, what are you asking me to, to do? I, I, believe, I think I believe the right things, and I, I sometimes say the right things most of the time, but what do you need me to do? And, and I realized um, most of the people I hang out with uh, look a lot like me. You know, a lot of them are, are you people, <laughs> You know, that's who we socialize with. They're just friends we've gotten to know in, in church, and we love love these people. But I'm like, I I maybe I need to get outside of this, God, and began to wrestle with that. And so Tuesday again, I prayed, God, if if I need to just help me to get outside my little world, I feel like I need to expand this a little bit. And so I'm praying that, and just walking through the building as often I'll do, and and I walk back into my office, and my little red light on my phone is blinking and so I listened to the message, and it's a a pastor in Fort Worth, and he said, hey, I know you guys have been open for a while. I'm looking for cleaning supplies. We're going to open for the first time on Sunday, and I don't know where to even get anything, and if you can help me, that would be great, and I heard God say, John, call him back, because we get a lot of those requests. I'm like, I don't need to. I can forward that to somebody else. and And just, John, no, you call him. All right, I called him up and said, hey, John, you called me a little while ago, and Pastor Ivory is his name, and and I said, so w- w- what do you need? He's like, man, we can't find any cleaning supplies. We've been closed you know, for several months. So we're going to open for the first time. And I don't even know where to begin. I can't find any sanitizer or mask or anything like that. And he said, where do you get everything? I'm like, I, I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm pastor here, but um, like Linda, you know, our administrator, she's a miracle worker, and uh, between her and Ken, they get everything that we absolutely need here, so they, they do a wonderful thing. I'll put you in contact with them. They might be able to help you find some supplies, but are the things you need? You said, you're opening for Sunday. He said, well, we don't have any masks. I said, man, we've got some wonderful people who have made masks. I, how many do you need? I'll bring a whole bunch of masks over to you, because I could hear God saying, John, this is not just a phone call. Like, you need to go and talk to this guy, and so I'm making every excuse. I'll deliver them for you. You know, that's great. Is there anything else you need? Well, we're going to clean the place, but if I can't find cleaning supplies, I, you know, there's some guy who said he'd clean it, but it's going to cost like 100 bucks. and we don't, we've been closed, and we haven't taken any offerings in, so i have been getting paid. I don't have any money. I'm like, tell you what, I'm, I'll be over there on Wednesday, and I'm going to bring you some money. We didn't have time to get a check from the church, so I just went to my bank and took out $100 and handed him $100 and a whole bunch of masks. And so I, I met Pastor Ivory, and he's an African-American preacher at this little missionary Baptist church in Fort Worth. And uh, I I said, I I really think I'm not just here for masks and to give you a little bit of money. I just want to hear from you and your vantage point of what it's like to be an African-American here in the world and, and what can I do and what do I need to hear and what do I need to learn. And so we sat down and we laughed and cried on little head and prayed for each other and he took me around his building and here's our sanctuary and I'm like, let's pray over your sanctuary and, and, and doing that. And so we just had an incredible experience and I said, man, I, I really hope that one day like, I could introduce you to some of my people and he said, man, I'd love for my people to meet your people. In fact, one of my deacons is over here. Why don't you come meet him? And, so, and Just a neat, neat experience. And I said, I tell you what, um, I'm going to text you on Saturday if you would text me just some prayer concerns that you have because I want to pray for you in our worship service on Sunday. And it's just a sign of unity that we are all in this together. We are all a part of the body of Christ. Absolutely. And so in a minute when we pray, I'm going to give you a few of the prayers and we're going to pray for him as well. But I, I... Come back to these verses that I wanna share in closing. It is written, verse 11, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me and every tongue will acknowledge God. That is just a great reframing life verse that we know when Jesus comes back, every knee, not just those who follow Jesus, Every knee is going to bow before him and every single tongue is going to confess, Jesus, you are Lord. And if there's ever a reason to get rid of the judgment and to get rid of the distinguishing marks between us, it's this verse. There is no difference. We all are created in the image of God regardless of our socioeconomic status, regardless of the fact that we come from a different ethnic background, There's no difference. Every tongue will confess. Verse 12, so then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. That verse has always frightened me because I I know the mistakes I've made and I know the brokenness in my own heart and, and I shudder to think about, boy, what's that like to stand before the presence of a holy God and know that you didn't measure up. God, I'm sorry, forgive me. And the beautiful news that we have as followers of Jesus is Jesus took care of that problem. You're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, but your debt has already been paid for. You don't have to worry about standing there like, I can't pay you back for all the mistakes I made. And all he says is, it's already been paid for. And so here's a phrase that I wrote in a journal a long time ago that I heard somebody speak, I don't remember who, but I've tried to live my life this way. I don't do it perfectly all the time but I strive to and I, I would encourage you to do the same thing and it's simply this let grace be the final word that you speak in people that you meet in your relationships with family and friends with your coworkers. let grace be the final word let judgment go let distinguishing marks go let grace be the identifying mark That that is what I want to leave people with, the grace of God. Because I realize at the end of the day, my debt has been paid in full. Every mistake that I've done, Jesus has already paid for. So how can I withhold that same grace from other people and demand something of them that God doesn't even demand of me? God, I want to love you more. I want to love your people more. I want to follow you like you want us to follow you, Jesus, to love one another as I have loved you. I want the world to know that there are no distinguishing marks, there are no characteristics, there's nothing between us and, and you. And I want us to live that way. And I'm I'm so proud of St. John on so many levels. We are an incredibly generous church. But when there is a need, just like Vacation Bible School taken care of, when, when there are people who are hurting and people stepped up and wrote checks, it has been remarkable to see the generosity of people here. I love the fact that we have age diversity here. We've got a preschool and active ministry here. We've got you know, wonderful children's ministry and youth ministry and, and cradle to grave. We've got wonderful people, diverse age and we've got diverse socioeconomic backgrounds, if you didn't realize this, too, as a part of St. John. There are people from all different kind of backgrounds. And I love the fact that we come from different religious backgrounds. I'm a lifelong Lutheran, and there are some lifelong Lutherans here, but there are a lot of people here that don't come from a Lutheran background. I love that. I think that kind of diversity just makes for a better, better church and a better, better body of believers. But, boy, as I look around, one of the things I'm praying for, and I hope you'll join me in praying for this, too. God, would you help us to become more ethnically diverse? Would you help us? Because we can learn from our brothers and sisters. We need to have those kind of relationships with them. If we are truly going to be about changing the world, uh, we can't just do it in our little bubble, in our little world. We need to hear from all different kind of ethnic groups. And I really hope that God will begin and continue to do that work in us, that we become more and more diverse, that we look a lot more like heaven here on earth before Jesus comes again.